This, this, this is God Stories Radio Podcast. God Stories Radio Podcast. With Fritz, Mike, and Tina. to God Stories Radio, session 272. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. Where is oh, she? She's not here. Not here. <laughs> Vacation. Yes, with mom. I'm happy for her. They spent, what, a bunch of days up in Carolina? Yeah, well, Carolina and uh, Savannah. Seeing a bunch of the old, old town mm-hmm. there. Great. Fantastic. I've what? seen some of the pictures and she uh, looks like she was having a good time. Yeah, they did. They did look like they were having a good time. What's going on with you, Mikey? Well, the uh, good thing that happened this week, I got my uh, taxes back. Hey. Yes, sir. I'm a little richer in my bank account for now. <laughs> <laughs> got one over on the gov. Got it. There you go. It was pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Awesome. What about you? Man, I've been busy. Busy, busy, man. Uh, getting uh, prepped up for the big uh, Meals on Wheels fundraiser, this Hemsing. At the church, 11 to 12. Why are you laughing, Mikey? Him Why are you sing. laughing? Him, Him sing. sing. Not ginseng. Him sing. Him sing. There you go. So if you are a uh, connoisseur of the oldies, come on out. Love Saturday, to 11 you. to 2. 11, yeah, 11 to noon. I 11 think, to noon. I don't think they could make it until 2. That long? Yeah. But there will be food to benefit the Meals on Wheels donations. So come on out. Have a good time. That's at uh, First United Methodist Church down on 7th Street in Claremont. Come one, come all. Home of the Awakened Service. Anyway, what, what's going on down there, Mikey? Uh, we don't have Tina. We got any likes, any countries? We do, uh, actually. What's going on? We do. We have a Facebook like. All right. Uh, Beverly Rodriguez. Beverly, thank you. Welcome to the GSR family. Yes. Thank you for liking us on Facebook. Anyone else out there, if you have not yet liked us on Facebook, please do so. And you will become a part of the GSR family. That's right. He speaketh truth. <laughs> All right, man. We got some uh, some really good guests tonight, man. Uh, we got Pastor Chris and, and we got uh, Mr. Joe Ormsby in the studio with us tonight. Well, good Glad evening. you guys can make it, man. Hey, you know, Fritz, Mike, Joe. You know, thanks for the invite. It's always a pleasure and an honor to be with you guys here for God Stories Radio. I got something for you. Yeah. <laughs> Too kind. There you go. Too kind. There you go. Yeah, as Fritz was saying, you know, our church, um, First Methodist in Claremont, we are hosting a hymn sing uh, this weekend as a way to raise funds to support Meals on Wheels, which is which is a really cool ministry that we support that provides food to those who are incapable of uh, either making or or getting food. Uh, people deliver it to their homes, and it's just it's a blessing. And right now, uh, we are doing more meals for individuals than we've ever done as a church. 
Um, it's probably one of the biggest things that we're doing right now is feeding people. And, you know, I, and Joe and, and Fritz, you guys know we talk about you know food insecurity a lot as as a church, and we want to step into that. So um, yeah, the hymn sing should be fun. Although I was walking around the office going, "It's a him and her sing." It is a him and her sing. <laughs> well, you got to be PC. Well, you know, I just I was to Chris, but I, I was mean, trying to be funny, but I, you know, that's funny. I think it is. I think it was. Cool. I thought it was comical, but. It didn't go over That's well. That's good did office it. space humor. Well, there's only like six of us in the office, and they all just looked at me and shook their head, and like we moved on. So well, it, was, it was okay. It wasn't the second floor is cool anyway. That is true. That is true. <laughs> but as always, it's good to be here. I, to my left, uh, good friend, Mr. Joe Ormsby. How you doing tonight, man? Not used to that. The pastors usually get all the applause. <laughs> Not, you deserve it. Not right now. Oh no, things are things are really good. It's been well, geez, since last year that I was on air with you guys. So good to be here. Well, it's only February. It is only February. I was talking to my sister on the way here and I, I said to her, geez, if only my layoff and furlough last year had gone as fast as this year has already gone, <laughs> it would have been a <laughs> much nicer experience. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It seems like time is flying. Well, I don't know about you guys, but um, you know, a little bit of recollection. This is roughly the time last year where we started to Notice things were happening mm-hmm. and we started preparing to go into, you know, this adjustment of pandemic time. Um, and for us, you know, in our world and, and um, my family and then our church and everything, like, I think it was by week two of March. It was. It, we, were, we were done. It was we, a lockdown. We closed up shop. We sent everybody home. We worked from the house. We filmed and did service online. I, I, I just cannot wrap my mind around the fact that it's been a year. It's been a year. It's been, and it's been a year and a half. Like, and I, and I mean that like figuratively Yeah. in the fact that we've just all lived through almost 365 days of something that we've never in our life experienced. Mm-hmm. And I would love to say, Hey, we will never experience again. Hmm. However, we're still in the middle of it. I was talking with um, one of our other teammates uh, this week about the idea of being in a tunnel. You know, imagine that you're driving a car and you enter into a tunnel. And if it's a long tunnel, you know, all of a sudden you get to a point where it's dark and, you know, driving in a tunnel, you have artificial light. But the second you get a glimmer, of the outside, the real light that is outside that tunnel, you begin to feel hopeful. You begin to feel Mm. relieved. I think for many of us, we feel like we're still in the middle of a tunnel with no hope up ahead, Mm -hmm. but there is hope. Um, Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our savior. And we, we believe that he's going to guide us through every circumstance and situation. I, I just long for culturally right now in our lives to see that glimmer of hope, knowing that we're getting out of this tunnel and, and and not necessarily going back to where we've been, no, but moving forward into where we're going. Never going back where we were. Yeah. Never. I think for some of us, God's used the pandemic to reveal what our destiny is, to actually point us in the direction that we're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. To I, give us direction. I would agree with that. I think some of us had great years in so far as um, maybe there were growth opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there were family uh, healings and reconciliations. You know, there for every for every negative story 
I have heard about the pandemic, I've also heard a positive. So I think that's a really positive thing to to take away that it hasn't been all bad. It just hasn't been all great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. I guess it's your half glass, half full, half mm. empty mentality. Well, that's a that's an interesting know, question. Mask on or mask off? Well, <laughs> well, go back to the glass one. Just even around this around this table, like, what is your general disposition? Are you a pessimistic individual or are you an optimistic individual? Mm. I, I tend to be very optimistic. I'm looking on the the better side of things. I, I I see the good in people. I see the good in situations. I'm generally hopeful. Um, I would hope that more people had that same disposition, but I know that that even people in our church are on the other side of that. And and it's not that they're bad or wrong or mean or evil in any way, shape, or form. That's not at all what I'm saying. Just we have a different MO, right? Some of us are optimistic, myself included, and others are are pessimistic. What do we say? It's uh, forward thinkers. Oh, I for, oh, you, put you had other, put a name to it the other day, though. Forward thinker. Yeah, though, like the overthinking theologian. Watch out for that podcast. That, it might be coming. Yeah, um, coming to your city or near you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think in both both of those scenarios, um, I would I would challenge forward thinker is the one or the other because in both scenarios, the individual is thinking forward. It's just what's the outlook. I, oh, I remember point. I remember now what you're talking about, Fritz. We talked about the difference between those who look through the through the windshield and those who look in the rear view. Um, That's what it was. You know, there's this perspective for some folks that um, they look in the rear view. They live in the rear view because everything was better behind them. Mm-hmm. You hear the phrases of like the good old days. Like, mm-hmm. you remember the good old days? And like, as, as though they live in the good old days. And folks who live in that disposition tend to think a certain way, act a certain way based on better that was behind them. So they'll make, mm-hmm. they'll make decisions about tomorrow based on so, how better it was yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. yeah. But the, there's an other group of people who are trying to look through the, you know, the windshield at what is up ahead and trying to live into a better uh, future. Sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's bad. The, the times it's bad is when you don't look back to learn. You know, we should learn from our past. I think it was Winston Churchill who said it. Those who do not learn from the past are condemned to repeat it. Mm-hmm. So we need to learn from the past, but we can't live there. We mm-hmm. have to learn, grow, and move forward because everything that is healthy is growing forward. So we we find ourselves in an, a unique, interesting position because we want to move and progress forward instead of living and dwelling behind. Well, just sitting back and watching people that can't handle change, being forced uh, to handle change. Uh, uh-huh. It's a front row seat. Absolutely. Well, it's 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 interesting because change people I think, and this is just me personally, I think people who struggle with change really struggle with control. Mm. Because control is an illusion that that everything is in order, everything can be managed, everything is yep. nice and packaged. And, mm-hmm. and, and when you change, mm-hmm. no control, it, you lose control. Absolutely, it comes outside of that package, and now all of a sudden things are different. But is different bad? Is change bad? No, no. Change can be good so long as we're rooted and grounded in in you know things like our, our belief in God. You know, that's never going to change. Maybe how we 
flesh it out might look uniquely different contextualized to the day and the time right i'm not saying that like we need to become complete raging heathens um but uh take for instance in the world of the church the difference between those who worship in um maybe traditional settings versus those who worship in modern settings you know we're worshiping the same jesus our faith is built on the same bible uh, it's all rooted but the change becomes the uniqueness of how we are contextualizing the gospel in a meaningful way, spiritual way, Christ-honoring way to reach people in different cultural settings. And, and I think there's something beautiful and appropriate about that. But remember, a couple hundred years ago, when they started doing things differently, people were like, hold on, we've never done it that way before. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. But wait, do people ever say that nowadays? Man. No, it's because it's a constant change right now. Yeah. It's the only thing that's constant. <laughs> yeah. Really. Change. Yeah. But it's, I think it's how we approach it, how we deal with it. Um, you know, change, change is uh, similar to going to the beach and trying to grab a handful of sand or, or control. Control is similar to going to the beach and trying to grab a handful of sand. The more loosely you hold it, the more of the sand you have, but the more tight you try to squeeze it, the less of it you've you've got because it tends to slip through your fingers. Mm-hmm. And control seems to be and tends to be the same way. You know, if we place in the hands of God the things that we believe, we hope, we trust for, we give those to God, and we allow Him to hold on to them, He holds them in His hands. But when we try to take those away mm-hmm. and squeeze onto them real tight trying to control them, they tend to slip through our fingers and the less control we actually have. The righteous right hand. Yeah, really. Hmm. But that's the best place to put it. That's for sure. And let him have it. Don't mm-hmm. just let go. So when, um, when Fritz asked if I would, uh, would come and ask Joe if, if he would come uh, the other day, Fritz asked like, Hey, you got anything you want to talk about? And it's always a unique situation for those who are listening. Um, you know, sometimes it's weeks of preparation to come up with an idea. And then there's other times that God divinely inspires. Mm-hmm. But there was a question that Jesus asked that came to my mind that I thought maybe, and if this is okay, I don't want to hijack your, your radio show. That no, man, uh, I'm loving it. But I, I thought maybe we could have a conversation around a question that Jesus asks. So let me give a little bit of context. Our, our church is teaching through the Gospel of John. John is one of four books that were uniquely written as a biography about Jesus. You have the Gospels. Gospel is a Greek word that means good news. So this is the good news of Jesus Christ. There are four Gospel stories written by Matthew, who was Levi, a tax collector, a disciple of Jesus. Mark, who was a traveling companion of the apostles. Luke, who was a physician to the apostles, and then John, who's believed to have been the beloved, the youngest of Jesus's 12 apostles, one of his inner three. It was um, Peter, James, and John. And John has a unique perspective when he writes, and he writes about this one particular story in chapter five, where there's a pool. There's this pool where people would go to to find healing. And it's Mm -hmm. interesting how many of us have at times gone out seeking healing. You know, I believe God has given us medicine as common grace. 
that it's there to help bring healing. Like I'm not anti-medicine. I'm not anti-science. Like that's, but that's a different story for a different day. But there, there was this group of people who would go to this pool and they would lay around for the water to stir. There was this belief that an angel would come down and touch the water and that the person who got in would find healing. They've, they've actually believed they have archaeologically discovered where this pool is. And there were natural springs that would stir the water. And amazing mm. things would happen because God would show up, right? So there was this one gentleman who is at this pool waiting for healing. And he's been there for a number of years. His, it, yeah, it was um, 38. It was a 38 years that this man has been there waiting. And it was interesting because you, you got to imagine in all this time, there were people who had probably passed by him, saw him, knew him. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. They knew him by name. They knew his story. They knew his mama. Right. Like they, they knew this guy. And they most likely knew more than anything else the one thing that this man wanted to be made well. But sometimes when confronted with being made well, being made better, that does bear implications on our lives of some things that may need to change. I mean, for all of this man's life, almost an entire lifetime, close to 40 years, 40 years was typically considered a generation in this Mm -hmm. time period. This man has been there at this pool. But here's, here's the question that Jesus asked. So Jesus and his disciples pass by. They are there at this pool. Some scholars think this pool um, could, could have been a, in an area of water that was up to almost a football field in size. Wow. Could have been as much as 10 feet deep. Wow. Right? So there's, you know, different parts where there were shallow parts. There are deep parts. There's, it's long. You know, it's this big, beautiful area. It talks about these columns that are there that, that potentially could have divided up some of the area. So Jesus and his disciples are passing by. He meets this guy. He looks at this guy. He sees him face to face, eye to eye. And he asks him a simple question. Or at least on paper, it seems simple. When he mm-hmm. asks him this question. John chapter five, verse six. Do you want to be healed? Do you, young man, want to be healed? Another translation reads it as, do you want to get better? So uh, gentlemen are, are around the table with microphones in your face. <laughs> um, if Jesus was to meet you today and look at you in the you know, square in the face and ask you this question, do you want to get better? Do you want to be healed? How do we respond to that question? Instinctively, yes. Yes. Instinctively. Yeah. Absolutely. But this guy had a bunch of excuses. Yeah, but did he really know it was Jesus? What if a random long-haired Aerosmith-looking guy came up and said, you want to get better? You want to get better? Hey, I'm I got, like, a, you know, somebody, I got something for you. Hey, what's in your hand? But in I the, don't know, you know, it, it, but in the context, yeah. are, are we assuming mm-hmm. for the sake of, of this, are we assuming that the man did, knew it was Jesus? I don't think he did. Well, the, the he reality of, he could, the reality no. is he most likely could not have known that this was Jesus. No. At most he knew of 
of a, a potential prophet of God who was living at this day and time doing miraculous things. Mm-hmm. But I think Jesus's question is deeper than service level. For sure. Absolutely. Because on paper at service level, you know, if you are in a bad situation and somebody comes along and and says, Hey, can I help? Do you want this to get better? Our instinctive response, you're absolutely right, Joe, is yes, we do. Mm -hmm. But Jesus never asked a question that he didn't already have the answer to. Come on. Like every parent knows when you walk into the room and you ask your kid a question you already have the answer to that question. Yep. And you know, let, let's let's take it all the way back to God's interaction with his first children on earth, Adam and Eve. There are people who are like, God doesn't know everything because he would ask Adam and Eve, where are you? Right after they sinned, it wasn't anything about God not knowing where they were. God didn't ask a question he didn't already have the answer to. Yep. He was challenging them and how they would respond. Mm-hmm. Here's Jesus challenging this gentleman and how he would respond. So let's take it a little bit deeper. There are things in our life that many of us hold on to. Some of these things are known to the world um, that that we put on full display. They are hurts, habits, hangups, to use language from our church, uh, of things that we, we have out there for the world to see. But there are also things that we hold on to that are below the surface that are maybe just maybe killing us on the inside that we have not owned up to. We have not confessed. We have not bothered to talk about because they are our dirty little secret. Mm -hmm. Mm. So imagine Jesus comes to you today. Here we go. We're taking a little bit deeper Mm. and he asks you the question, do you want to get better? with Jesus full well knowing everything about you. So this weekend, I want to preach on John 13, and there's this throw, it, it, it's almost a throwaway line. It, it, it's tucked in between two lines that seem to have more importance, but it's this throwaway line that says, everything was placed into the hands of Jesus. Hmm. Theologians talk about this being Jesus having dominion over all areas of humanity, all areas of creation, that there's no thing, no one, nothing that's outside of the care or the control of Christ. So if he's got dominion over all things, including you and I, meaning he knows the the joys of our life, the thoughts of our head, the hopes of our heart, he knows us better than we know ourselves. It, if there's something we're holding back from Jesus and he comes along to us and he goes, there's that thing in your life that you're holding on to that I darn well know full well you need to give up. And he walked up to you and he says, hey, do you want to get better? How do we respond? Instinctively, yes, I want to get better. But how many of us keep holding on to that thing? Mm. Because it's either a control issue, a pride issue, a, a selfish issue. or, or, or and It's a comfort issue too. Correct. And (laughs) as long as it's hidden, well, comfort is king. Yeah, it is. And if it's hidden, we sometimes think, oh, nobody knows about it. It's not hurting anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Think about how many people struggle with addictions to things like alcohol or drugs. Sure. How many people struggle with addictions to food, you know, food insecurity 
uh, on on both sides being you know in that world. How many people struggle with lying? Mm. How many people struggle with stealing? Uh, you know, we we see this happening. How many people are struggling with lust? Yeah, you want to you want to get real real quick. Yeah, everybody has a tablet these days. How many people? have that private browser that they think nobody knows about and right you hit that button on google and all of a sudden your google browser goes private like <laughs> listen somebody somewhere knows yep it, it it's not it's not for no reason that during this pandemic talk about problems with the pandemic pornhub which is the largest pornography site in the world their traffic like skyrocketed mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember listening to an interview from a pastor years ago, you know, harping on all of the bad things about pornography. And, and he's right, 100%. But then he was like, he was trying to lighten the mood. He's like, there, there is literally only one good thing or two good things that I know of that came out of pornography. And everyone's like, what? He's like, HD cameras, high-speed internet. <laughs> Did you know both of those were created to have... Are you kidding me right now? So, uh, well, but you know, it, that's a whole side note, right? Somebody out there is going to start Googling. <laughs> don't look that up. Yeah. Like it might lead you down the wrong rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is, is these are all issues that sometimes some of us have underneath the surface. Mm. And if Jesus comes along, knowing full well in your hands, you are holding on to something yep. that you should not be holding on to. And he says, Hey, I want to help you get better, but what I'm going to need you to do is hand that over to me. How are we doing? And it's not, uh, you know, to keep unpacking that and diving deeper. It doesn't have to be drugs, alcohol, porn. It can be, it can be resentment. It can be hatred. It can mm-hmm. be anger. It can be hurt. It can be frustration. It can be emotional baggage that you're hanging on to mm-hmm. that you need to deal with. Yeah. And everybody knows that person that finds comfort in their pain. <laughs> And then misery loves company. Uh, there you go. Mm-hmm. And, and hurt people hurt people. And like you said, yeah. some of it is known to the world. Right. Some, some of, of it's, it's buried. Right. And we tend to we tend to think, oh, you know, people see this and th- this will be the thing that I'll, I'll, I'll offer up. You know, I'll, you know, me as pastor will come in um, and, and, and we'll say, you know, we need to we need to turn these things over to God. We need to let Jesus show up and have his will and his way with our lives. And and, you know, we'll get the amen, brother. Hallelujah. Preacher, preach on. And like, you know, the things that were on the outside, many of us will be like, all right, you know, I really need to work on this. You know, like I had a guy come up to me years ago and he used he asked me a question because he was really convicted after a message one day. And he excuse me, he said, um. Pastor, will will smoking send me to hell? Hmm. I was like, no, I don't think it will send you to hell. It, it just might make you smell like you visited. Yeah. <laughs> he he's kind of looked at me, and he, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think so. But if this is, um, if this is something that is leading you down a path towards sin, right? If this is the gateway into doing things that are going to lead you astray and captivate your mind, captivate your heart, captivate your wallet. You know, in, in such a way where you are doing more harm than good, then it it, it could mm-hmm. lead you away yeah. from God or yep. or the people around him, right? And I, that was that was one of those things that I, I you know I was trying to say like that that becomes problematic. Yep. That becomes problematic. Um. So what you're saying is that 
we hear the pastor say all the time, right? Hand it over to God, hand it over to God, hand it over to God. But if I'm hearing you correctly, there's a certain level of ownership that we continue to have to take in that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a, there's a, there's a joke I heard recently that, that ties pretty clearly into this. A guy walks in every single day to church, every single morning, he comes in and, and walks up to the altar and says, God, just let me win the lottery. It'll fix all my problems day after day after day. And after a couple of weeks of this, the, the, the roof bursts open and the hand of God comes down and kind of lovingly bops him upside the head. And he hears a voice say, buy a ticket. <laughs> yeah. Can't you, you're absolutely right. And thank you. I was, um, I had to regain my thoughts, but like the reality is those, those things on the outside that people can see, you know, those are the ones that we tend to sometimes be more willing to give up. The smoking, the 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 mm -hmm. cursing, the mm -hmm. the things that are evident on the outside, because other people see those and they right. can hold us accountable. Mm -hmm. mm. But the things that other people can't see that we're unwilling to confess are typically the things that are slowly killing us on the inside. Mm. And those are the ones that we need to respond to Jesus when Jesus comes to us and he asks us the question, "Do you want to get better?" With, I, I do. I do. I want to get better. I don't want to have to live in, in perpetual, um, you know, resentment. I don't want to have to live in perpetual anger, hatred. I don't want to live in perpetual lust. I want to live as somebody who's truly free indeed. And that would require me to answer Jesus when he asks the question of, do I want to get better with yes? And then it would require you and I and all of us to take a look on the inside. And it's very, it's very interesting sometimes to take a look on the inside, especially when you realize you can't lie to the man in the mirror. Ooh. Mm. And when we start to be truthful with ourselves, we start to be truthful with God and we start to say, yes, God, I want to get better. There is something amazing that happens when we hand it over to God. And we trust him to be in control and we, we ultimately realize we are not. Hmm. Well, if the pandemic didn't make you realize that, <laughs> I don't know what will. Well, but yeah, even through the pandemic, there's still a lot of folks that are trying to hold on. Oh, I agree. I know a few of them. And I are one. I mean, I've really, I've really struggled, man. Yeah. I, I, to Chris's point. I've had to identify some of those things. I've had to take a hard look at my mug in the mirror, check myself at the door. Mm -hmm. You know, and the, the question that I've asked myself and that I've heard others ask in the past is, well, why doesn't God just fix it? Mm -hmm. Just swoop in and, and clean it all up. He's got the power, right? Well, and that's, and that's a great question. So, From my, from my perspective, you know, my theological perspective is that God in his loving grace gave to each and every one of us the ability to make our own choices. Yep. So if I have the ability to choose right or wrong, then out of the choices that I make, there will be consequences, whether those consequences are good or bad. Yep. And the reality too, that sometimes we struggle with when we look at the world that we live in, you know, one of the questions that is often paired with that, Joe, is the question of 
okay, if God doesn't swoop in, why then, do, why then does God allow evil to happen? And it's the same response. God does not cause evil to happen. God is, God is not a, a God of evil. Mm-hmm. No, God has allowed evil situations to happen because God has given us the free will to make choices. And we, in our ignorance, have chosen at times to do good and we have chosen at times to do bad. And when we choose to do bad, those implications are not just for us, but they are like throwing a rock into a pond. There are ripples <laughs> that touch numerous people. Yes. So when I do something that's bad, it might not just affect me. It might affect my wife, my children, my job, which then would be my church, the congregation, um, so on and so forth. And there would be a rippling of, of, of implications that it would have. So God doesn't swoop in to fix all of our problems because in his loving grace, he has given all, he has given us all that we need to understand how to trust him, love him and cooperate with him in the choices that we make, knowing that the spirit of God that dwells within us is the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. And if we have resurrection power, then we have the power with Christ inside of us to cooperate with him to choose to do what is right. And if we have the ability to choose to do what is right in cooperation with God by his power enabling us to move in that direction, then we start to make better choices. We start to affect change. We start to heal hurts through the grace and the gospel of Jesus so Mm -hmm. that our circles start to get better and our communities start to get better and our world starts to get better the more that we are focusing on Jesus. Now, there is still this overarching big problem. There is still sin in the world. Sin is not just, not just, it does include, but it is not just me doing or saying something that is contrary to the good and perfect and pleasing will of God. Sin is yes, missing the mark, but it's also a issue that's deeper rooted because it has permeated everything in, in, in creation. That, that even our world that we live in is affected by sin. And if our world is affected by sin, there are things that are happening that are outside of our control. And then we, in our ignorance, make choices and we harm creation and we do things, we say things. So it's this churning. So why doesn't God step in? Well, he's given us the freedom and we've put ourselves in this position. But let me push back and ask this question. When God does step in, because he does, Mm -hmm. and he does fix problems, answer prayers, heal wounds, change hearts, when God does step in, do we recognize it? Do we appreciate it? And do we thank him for it? You know, I I think uh, that that was very thoughtfully unpacked. It would it would devalue the relationship mm-hmm. if God just stepped in and basically said, I'm going to fix it and you will love me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's hundred percent. Oh, that's that devalues the relationship and you're a hundred percent right. People God's here every day. If you look up and look around, pay attention the next time somebody thanks the universe for something, because that's what I tend to hear yeah. is when, when somebody's saying, Oh man, the universe, the stars really aligned this time. And we hear somebody say that all the time in our lives. All right. There's one of your quickest and easiest paths to a a God sign is when somebody says something like that. 
Well, think about it too. We we at our best, at our best, will say thank you to God when we recognize things. Right. But what if there are things that God has done and stepped in and intervened that we will never see or know or understand because God and his grace and his sovereignty has acted because God is not about necessarily showing off as much as he He really is about caring for, for humanity and creation, right? I, I had this conversation with a middle school kid when I was doing youth ministry years ago. He's like, I want to see God do a sign. I said, God does signs all the time. Some of them he doesn't want us to see. Like I said, you know, did you hear about that hurricane that got that got busted up that that never hit the land or anything like that? They're like, there was no hurricane. I'm like, exactly. Because God intervened before we even took notice of something that could have potentially happened. And they were like, what? I'm like, you got to think. And I do believe that there are some things where God does step in and he goes, and he fixes a problem before we even noticed there was going to be a problem. Yep. Mm-hmm. To both of your points, I'd like to read something that uh, I came across this morning and my devotion was from uh, Dr. James Dobson. And he was talking about Peter and how uh, Peter was discussing that there will be trials and, mm-hmm. and you will face sin. But then he concludes the lesson by, and I, I thought this was so striking at, because of your question and your answer. So he says, uh, my concern is that many believers apparently feel God owes them smooth sailing or at least an explanation and perhaps an apology for the hardships they encounter. Hmm. We must never forget that he, after all, is God. He is majestic and holy and sovereign. He is accountable to no one. He is not an errand boy who chases the assignments we dole out. He is not a genie who pops out of a bottle to satisfy our whims. He is not our servant. We are his. And our reason for existence is to glorify and honor him. Even so, sometimes he performs mighty miracles on our behalf. Sometimes he chooses to explain his action in our lives. Sometimes his presence is as real as if we had encountered him face to face. But at other times, when nothing makes sense, when that we are going through is not fair. When we feel all alone in God's waiting room, he simply replies, trust me. What a wake up that call that was for me. You don't know us anything. That's tr- I no. mean, it's true. The, the fact that we woke up and drew breath this morning is a gift from God. Absolutely. Well, the fact that people even have the audacity to blame God. I mean, if he was a caring God, he would. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This argument of theodicy that like, uh, you know, uh, you know. Can you have an all-powerful God and an all-loving God? Yes. Well, either he's all-powerful and not all-loving because of the world <laughs> you live in, or he's all-loving, but he's not all-powerful to intervene. No. We'll, as you said, we'll never truly understand the breath and the scope of God. Nope. Nope. Nor do we owe not him anything. this finite skull. <laughs> well, we'll think about it. Okay. So each of us, and and for those of you out there listening, we'll, we'll have to um, take our word for it, but each of us has a, a coffee cup around the table. And I remember, remember thinking about this. I was at the beach one day, um, you know, just drinking a soda. And I remember standing at the seashore, looking out at the ocean, thinking, well, wow, this can of soda is my mind. Like this is everything that I have, am, and will ever be able to understand. This mug of coffee in my hand is my brain and everything that I could possibly ever know about everything ever. 
And the Atlantic Ocean that I was looking at is God. There is no way in my finite limitedness that I could ever fully understand the magnitude of an infinite and limitless God. Mm -hmm. And for any of us who keeps trying to place God within a box, Mm -hmm. we miss out on the fact that God is bigger than we could even begin to dream or imagine. Mm -hmm. Which brings us back to this story. So this gentleman stands before, technically he's, he's laying, yeah, right. standing. we'll get there. This man is laying before Jesus and Jesus asks him the question of, do you want to get better? And, and, and hear the response of this guy. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going another, you know, they jump in before me. Jesus asks him, do you want to get better? And what does he do? He makes an excuse. Excuse. Mm -hmm. Right. He makes an excuse. We make excuses sometimes when God asks us, hey, do you want to get better? We're like, well, (laughs) you know, I, you know, that sounds great Mm -hmm. in theory. Freedom is beautiful, but freedom is scary. Freedom is beautiful, but freedom is scary. His, His perspective was on the pool. Correct. Not Jesus. He had his eyes. It was not the end of the show. <laughs> we have more. Thank you for hanging around for this uh, extendo. Sorry about of God that. Stories Radio. Back to you, Chris. Well, back. Uh, I like that music, though. Sorry. Side note. This is Mike Loman. So thank you, Mike. The man's got his attention in the wrong direction. But Jesus, in his grace and in his love, looks past his ignorance. Listen, if you're listening to our show this evening, know that Jesus loves you enough to look past your ignorance. Because Jesus responds, get up, get your mat, go ahead and walk. And that once, the man was healed. You know, in the midst of our ignorance, sometimes we we make excuses for why being healed would actually be more detrimental. This man has been unable to walk for close to 40 years. He's become accustomed to where he is. I'm sure people walk by, bring him food, care about him, talk to him, love him where he's at. If he moves, he becomes a different person. His entire identity changes mm-hmm. if he can walk. Our entire identity and our life can change if we allow the freedom of Jesus to intervene. That's also a lesson in his grace. 100%. Just how, just the amount of grace that he has for us. He is not um, stingy when it comes to it. No. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) So Jesus tells him, get up, take your mat and walk. For any of us who are holding on to any of these these things deep within or or even those that are seen um, without, Jesus is is offering us the ability to hand them over and to walk in freedom without them. So I don't I, I don't know where anyone's at tonight. I know that you know I, i'm I'm preaching if nothing else to myself, <laughs> right? No, there's some people on, man, they've been commenting steady along. They're really loving the analogies and everything. So I want to uh, welcome uh, 
Tracy Fagan and uh, Jessica Calhoun. And there's a couple other people on. I can't tell who you are. Hey, Jessica and Jay. Hope you guys are doing well. We, we know those folks. They're good people. You betcha. But maybe tonight is the night for somebody somewhere who's either listening to this live or at some point later on listening to this um, you know, post-produced. And maybe tonight's the night. Today's the day where whatever we're holding on to that we're trying to control, we realize it's not us controlling it, but it's controlling us. Mm. And it's time for us to hand it over to Jesus and let him have his will in his way. Amen to that. So that we might walk in freedom. So that when Jesus asks us the question of, do you want to get better? Do you want to get healed? It's not the knee jerk. Yes, I do. But it's the heartfelt. Yes, I know I need to. So for those that have uh, maybe grown up in the church or heard about God or heard about Jesus, how does one do that? Mm. What does it actually look like to hand that over? It it sounds daunting. It does. It <laughs> does. You know, I believe. I believe it's. Well, I don't. While I don't believe it's systematic, I do believe no. that it could look um, a little systematic in what I'm about to say. Sure. I think the first thing we need to do is recognize um, what what's controlling us. There needs to be an actual factual recognition of what it is, um, naming it. Honestly, that's that's the place it starts. We need to name the problem. From there, we need to, and I'm going to use a church term, repent of the problem. Repentance is the idea of walking in the direction opposite of God, realizing that we've walked in the opposite direction of God, and turning around from that behavior to begin to move back in the direction of God. Repentance is recognizing we've done something wrong and turning around. It's that 180, turning around and away from it. But I like the perspective of walking in the opposite direction and turning around because the beauty that we see throughout the Bible, and and I think one of the best places to see it is actually in the Old Testament story of Jonah, that you can try to run a thousand miles away, but the second you repent and turn around, God meets you right where you are at. Mm. So we, we, we recognize what our problem is. We repent of our problem and we confess it to God. We say, hey, I recognize this. I'm, I'm repenting of this. I'm doing what I can to move away from continuously living in it. God, give me the strength. Give me the grace. Give me the hope. And lastly, it's surround me with the people to hold me accountable. You know, the beauty of the church is that it's not just a place that you go to have the preacher yell at you and tell you how, how terrible you are. Because that's not the point of church. The, the, the pastor is not supposed to get up and tell you how terrible you are. He's supposed to tell you how beautiful Jesus is. Mm. So when you stand, when you go to church and you hear about the beauty of Jesus, you also engage in the family of Jesus and you have brothers and sisters in Christ who know you, love you, care about you and help you be held accountable to live for, act for Jesus. So, you know, recognizing it, repenting of it, giving it to God verbally in prayer and petition, and then finding accountability in the church amongst other believers. But that would also mean kind of that twofold that not only are you telling it to God, but you are also telling it to somebody else that you trust, that you know, that you care about, that you love, 
in that context who will hold you accountable and call you on your crap moving forward. Once you, uh, once you follow these steps and you give it to God and you get engaged, are you allowed to make a mistake or is it once you're in, you have to stay in and never screw up? Man, if, <laughs> if that's the case, then I think <laughs> we're, we're all, all, we're all uh, in trouble. We're all in trouble. No, like, listen, the beauty of repentance and grace, grace. is that when you screw up, there's <sighs> forgiveness, there's grace. Grace is unmerited favor that God doesn't have to, but he does anyway. That when you mess up, when you sin and you fall short of the glory of God, the beauty is that you are a masterpiece in progress. We've not fully arrived. Our past does not define our present and our present does not preclude us from a future. We will continue to make mistakes, but the more that we love and we trust Jesus, the less that we are actively acting against God. Mm -hmm. It's not that we don't screw up. It's that we start to cognitively make decisions to not actively rebel against God. We still will. We will still fall short, but we will continue to give it to God. We will continue to trust God and we will continue to surround ourselves with community that will help us get better because ultimately there will come a day where we will stand before Jesus in eternity. And at that moment, we will be glorified in grace. And at that moment, on the other side of eternity is when we stop actively sinning and we live in the beauty that is the resurrected life. Last question. Yes. So we got to say it out loud. We got to own it. We got to, we got to live into it. We're allowed to make a mistake, but I didn't take Latin and I don't know where to put thy and thou. I don't speak God. What do I do? How do I talk to him? You talk to God in the same way you would talk to a friend. You know, I've, I've used the example of praying. Now prayer is us having a conversation with God. And reading the Bible is God having a conversation with us. Mm -hmm. So we read the Bible to hear from God and we talk to God about our day. Like every parent would know, you could spend the entire day with your children. You could see every little thing they do, hear every little thing they say. And right before you go to bed, you still want them to tell you how their day was. And I imagine God as a father and us as a child, and we crawl our way to his knee and he looks down and he picks us up and he places us on his lap and we just snuggle up close to God and we just blah, 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 just talk. Mm -hmm. You know what? The these and the thous were there because that was actually the common language of the people at the time. To us today, it's considered high language, but for them then it was actually low language. Hear this. The reality is God wants you to speak to him in the same way you would speak to anybody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He wants to hear Amen. your heart. He wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear from you. There's no perfect words. There's no, no perfect sentences. No, we're the ones that make it hard. Yep. Right. We yep. overcomplicate it. Yep. So um, I, I've got a mentor in my life and he's taught me, if nothing else, the KISS method. So <laughs> do you know the KISS method? I do. Yeah. I do. Let's keep it simple, stupid. Just <laughs> keep it simple. Mm -hmm. And that is, I think, probably the best way for us to pray, just to keep it simple. Mm -hmm. He wants to hear how your day went. Yeah. I mean, listen, God is not sitting there on a cloud waiting to, to give you the, ah, I got you. I got you mm -hmm. right there. You did it. You messed up. Or Thank like, that's, oh. that's not God. He is not the boogeyman out to get you. God is the loving father there to well, care for you. He's not a vending you. machine either, you know? Yeah. yeah. 
Well, you know, when we get back to Christmas next year, I, I would love to come in and talk about how God is not Santa Claus. Um, we could save that for a later date and time. Absolutely. Fantastic. What a great show. Yes, it was. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Absolutely. Joe, you guys rock, man. Thanks for coming by. Yes. Thank you for helping us get another session. And for those of y'all that uh, didn't hear the familiar voice, um, she's on vacation with her mom. So uh, the guys came in. We're just having guys night in and just talking about stuff. And I'm glad you hang out with us. So, Fritz, you'll have to do her part. If, uh, if somebody wants to come on the show and be a guest, what do they do? They contact GodStoriesRadioTina at gmail.com. And if you've got a testimony and you want to be a guest, GodStoriesRadioTina at gmail.com. If you don't want to be in front of the microphone, if you're a little scared, <laughs> like some folks are, we've had people write their testimony down and send it in. That's GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com. And our website is www.godstoriesradio.com. And there's also a little special button on the front of that page. And if God so moves you to throw a little change in the jar, we appreciate that. And we want to take a second to thank our new sponsor, The Simple Scone. Carrying the, the gang over there at The Simple Scone. Simple Scone. We love them and appreciate them and, and praying for them. Carrie's been a guest on the show before and she's mm -hmm. been on Girls Night Out. And uh, Mauricio has been on. And he is also on Conquering Business Giants podcast. Please check that out. But thank you to the Simple Scone for uh, a change in the job. I had a red velvet tonight. It was pretty good. Awesome. I don't know what that thing I had with the jelly jam and all that, but <laughs> oh my God. If you love coffee, there's you, the Simple Scone. Dot com? Simple Scone dot com? Simple Scone dot com. Yes. Yes, sir. Um it, uh, it's, a, it's a cool opportunity. Um, and actually right now, one of the things we're doing, if I could put a little plug in, we're doing a, um, a charity themed box where a portion of next week's sales will go to help uh, uh, one of the local ministries in our community, the Faith Neighborhood Center. So a portion Fantastic. of every sale um, from the box next week will go to that. So if oh, nothing else, uh, treat yourself and know that it's going to a good cause. You guys uh, make breaking the diet more and more palatable every single week. Hey, I appreciate that. <laughs> there you go, man. All I can, right. Well, I can justify it. You know, Mike, you started us off with our new like. Where, uh, where do they find you on Facebook? What's your Facebook page? www.facebook.com slash God Stories Radio. Right? God Stories Radio. 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 What else can they do, Mikey? Twit us. They can twit us <laughs> on the Twitter. So however you get to us, just get to us. We want to hear from you. We love you and appreciate you. And uh, we do this to bring you hope and comfort. It's our only agenda since we got started. Thanks again to Chris and Joe for stopping by. Thank you, Mikey. Thank you for the scones. Thank you for the simple scone carrying the gang over there. Thank you so much for loving us and sponsoring us. We greatly appreciate it. And that about wraps it up for session 273. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. No, Tina. <laughs> God bless you. God bless. 